Welcome to the Nietzschean Podcast. I am your host, David Hayes. This is the long-awaited lesson number two, the joyful wisdom, sometimes uh, published as the gay science, and sometimes the joyful science. Before we get into the episode, I'd like to do some updates and and some shout-outs. One. What am I saying one for? Never mind. It took me so long to get all this... um, this episode worked on because I, like everyone else, have all kinds of silly problems to deal with. Pull back the curtain a little bit. I believe I've mentioned it before. I have a couple of friends that are dealing with cancer. My aunt, who's 85 now, is going in out of the hospital, so obviously I've got things to take care of. That being said, so it may take from time I may have some difficulty from time to time putting on a show, so bear with me on that. I'm still working on cranking out some merchandise. I want things like t-shirts and ball caps and buttons and stickers, you know, silly things like that. If you're interested in a copy of my booklet, whether by PDF file or hard copy, you can get a hold of me through email. I've got two emails. Uh, One of them is Zeno. 19667 at gmail and the other one of course is the Nietzschean podcast 66 at gmail.com I will have the email addresses in the show notes so you don't have to try to remember what I just said like I say I want uh, to do stuff like this and I would also like to hear your input what do you think now I have one design for a t-shirt and it basically just says the Nietzschean podcast But I'd like to have some suggestions. Should I do t-shirts? Should I do ball caps? Stickers? Buttons? What? Input would be nice. And like I say, contact contact me by email. It's going to be the show notes. Now, shout out. These are some individuals that have contacted me through email and voice messages, which through Anchor you can send me a voice message. But these are some individuals who got a hold of me were able to get copies of my booklet, and so on. And for those, Tilly, thank you. Now, these next two names, I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce them correctly, but I'm going to try. Mikhail and Roshan, it's spelled R-O-S-H-A-N, so I'm not sure how to pronounce that name. Gentlemen, thank you. Thank you for getting in touch with me, and I hope you enjoy my little booklets. And like I said, I would love to hear all of you with comments, ideas, and so on. But be advised, I may or may not mention this on the uh, on the air, but we'll try. We'll see what we can come up with now for the important stuff. And I got this link, or I got this um, Wikipedia, I guess you call it a, a Wikipedia file, and it's on the gay science also the joyful wisdom. And this is from Wikipedia. And there's some stuff here that I'm not going to get into because it talks about things like um, where the, the title came from and some historical stuff like that. If you'd like to find that out, wikipedia.com, the gay science, and you'll find it right there. This is what I was mostly interested in, for, specifically for this show. And like I say, this is from Wikipedia. 
the gay science, I'm not going to try to pronounce this in German, occasionally translated as The Joyful Wisdom or The Joyous Science is a book by Friedrich Nietzsche, first published in 1882 and followed by a second edition, which was published after the completion of Thus Spoke Zarathustra and Beyond Good and Evil in 1887. This substantial expansion includes a fifth book and an appendix of songs. It was noted by Nietzsche to be the most personal of all of his books and contains the greatest number of poems in any of his published works. Now, pause right here for a second on poems. Some of his poems may have a, um, for lack of a better term, a strange read because, of course, this was originally written in German and translated into English. So, yeah, depends on the tr translation you've got. may or may not turn out fairly decently. Now, on this Wikipedia notation under content, there's two main contents they mention in this particular um, in this particular sighting, and it is eternal recurrence and the quote, God is dead. Now, this is also still from Wikipedia. The book is usually placed within Nietzsche's middle period, during which during which his work extolled the merits of science, skepticism, and intellectual discipline as roots to mental freedom. The affirmation of the provincial tradition invoked through the book's title is also one of a joyful yay saying, yes saying, to life. In the gay science, Nietzsche experiments with the notions of power, but does not advocate any systematic theory. Personal note, never does Nietzsche go through a systematic theory of anything. Nietzsche's writings and his philosophy is for the individual. Here's what he thinks. You put it together. Now, before I get too carried away, we'll finish up this little notation here in the um, from the Wikipedia, and I'll move on to some other stuff. Eternal Recurrence. The book contains Nietzsche's first considerations of the idea of eternal recurrence, a concept which would become critical in his next work, Thus Spoke Zarathustra, and underpins much later works. I'm going to pause there. The other topic that is mentioned, God is dead. Here is also the first occurrence of this famous form formulation, God is dead, first in section 108. Now, I'm not going to read this much more here because I have found a much better article and a much better citation on this particular um, brain lock there for a second on this particular subject. And it comes from, and I will cover both eternal recurrence and the God is dead thing. This comes from thoughtco.com, and I will have a link for this in the uh, show notes. Nietzsche's Idea of Eternal Recurrence by Emrys, that's E-M-R-Y-S, Westacott, W-E-S-T-A-C-O-T-T. -T. And it was updated on uh, the 12th of February, 2020. The idea of eternal return or eternal recurrence has existed in various forms since antiquity. Put simply, it is the theory that existence recurs in an infinite cycle as energy and matter transform over time. In ancient Greece, the Stoics believed that the universe went through repeating stages of transformation similar to those found in the Wheel of Time of Hinduism and Buddhism. 
such ideas of cyclic time time later fell out of fashion, especially in the West, with the rise of Christianity. One notable exception is found in the work of Friedrich Nietzsche, 1844-1900. I'm going to pause here for a second. You, also, you can also find this in the writings of the, in, of the philosopher who basically jump-started Nietzsche into philosophy, and that would be Arthur Schopenhauer, a 19th century German thinker who was known for his unconventional approach to philosophy. One of Nietzsche's most famous ideas in is that of eternal recurrence, which appears in the pre penultimate section. Goodness, he had to pick a tongue twister of a word. Section of his book, The Gay Science. Eternal recurrence. The gay science is what it... Oh, I'm going to skip all that. We're going to get right to... What if someday or night a demon were to steal after you into your loneliest of loneliest... loneliest of lonelies and say to you, this life as you now live it and have lived it, you will have to live once more and innumerable times more, and there will be nothing new in it, but every pain and every joy and every thought and every sigh and everything utterable, small or great, in your life will have will have to return to you, all in the same succession and the same sequence. Even this spider and this moonlight between the trees, and even this moment and I myself, the eternal hourglass of existence is turned upside down again and again, and with and you with it, speck of dust. Would you not throw yourself down and gnash your teeth and, and curse the demon who spoke thus? Or have you once experienced this experienced a tremendous moment when you would have answered him, You are a god God and never have I heard anything more divine. If this thought gained possession of you, it would change you as you are, or perhaps crush you. The question is, the question in each and everything, do you desire this once more and innumerable times more? Would you lie upon your actions as the greatest weight? Or how would you dispose how well disposed would you have become to yourself and your life? Nietzsche reported that this thought came to him. So, all right, we're going to skip that. We're going to skip about that part. Essentially put, Nietzsche is saying, how would you handle it if you were told that this life of yours is on constant repeat? In modern terminology, Groundhog Day over and over and over again. Nothing changes. Would this crush you? Or would it inspire you? Now, of course, he's not saying this literally. He's making you stop and think about every action you take, every decision you make about life. How are you living it? Are you living it to your fullest potentials? Or are you just going through the motions? Because if you're just going through the motions, you might as well have the life on constant repeat. There's more to this article, and I'm not going to drudge through it. I will, however, go over part of, and I'm not going to read the whole link here, part of what Nietzsche says about, or what does Nietzsche mean when he says that God is dead. I'm not going to read the whole citation because I, I want you to go find it and read it for yourself. And, of course, make your own decisions. 
and after the last one that I so horribly butchered, you might want to. By the same author, Emery, E-M-R-Y-S, Westacott, W-E-S-T-A-C-O-T-T. -T. And this one was updated in January of 2018. I'm not going to try to say this in German. This is a phrase that more than any other is associated with Nietzsche, God is dead. Yet, there is an irony here, since Nietzsche was not the first to come up with this expression. The German writer Heinrich H-E-I-N-E, -E, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, who Nietzsche admired and said it first. But it was Nietzsche who made it his mission as a philosopher to respond to the dramatic cultural shift that the expression, God is dead, describes. The phrase, okay, it first began the book, book three of the gay science in 1882. A little later, the central idea in the famous aphorism 125 titled, The Madman, and I'm not going to read it to you, because it's a nice long little thing here. Well, let's read part of it. Have you not heard of the madman who lit a lantern in the bright morning hours, ran to the marketplace and cried incessantly, I seek God, I seek God. As many of those who did not believe in God were standing around just then, he provoked much laughter. Has he got lost? asked one. Did he lose his way like a, like a child? asked another. Or is he hiding? Is he afraid of us? Has he gone on a voyage, emigrated? Thus they yelled and laughed. The madman jumped into their mists and pierced them with his eyes. Where is God, he cried. I tell you, we have killed him, you and I. All of us are his murderers. But how did we do this? How could we drink up the sea? Who gave us the sponge to wipe away the entire horizon? What were we doing when we unchained this earth from its sun, whether, it's moving, whether it is moving now? Where are we moving? Away from all suns? Are we not plunging continually backwards, sidewards, forwards, in all directions? Is there still any up or down? Are we not straying as through an infinite nothing? Do we not feel the breath of empty space? Has it not become colder? Is it not continually closing in on us? Do we, do we not need to light lanterns in the morning? Do we hear nothing as yet of the noise of the gravediggers who are burying God? Do we, do we smell nothing as yet of the divine decomp decomposition? God's to decompose. God is dead. God remains dead, and we have killed him. Now, the author makes this statement. The madman goes on to say, There has never been a greater deed, and whoever is born after us, for the sake of this deed, he shall belong to a higher history than all history hitherto. Met by incomprehension, he concludes, I have come too early. This tremendous event is still on its way, still wandering. It has not yet reached the ears of men. Lightning and thunder require time. The light of the stars requires time. Deeds, though done, still require time to be seen and heard. This deed is still more distant from them than most distant stars, and yet they have done it themselves. Now, that's one translation. There are other translations. Um, I believe it's Walter Kaufman in the 50s and 60s did a much better 
uh, translation without the, the these and thous and all of that. Now this is the author of the, uh, the article. What does this what does all this mean? The first is fairly obvious to point out point to make the oh, no, no, try this again. The first fairly obvious point to make is that is that the statement God is dead is paradoxical. God, by definition, is eternal and all powerful. He is not the kind of thing that can die. So what does it mean to say that God is dead? The idea operates on several levels. How religion has lost its place in our culture. The most obvious and important meaning is simply this. In Western civilization, religion in general, and Christianity in particular, is in an irreversible decline. It is losing or has it is losing or has already lost its central place it has held for the last two thousand years. This is true in every sphere in politics, philosophy, science, literature, art, music, education, everyday social life, and the inner spiritual lives of individuals. Someone might object, but surely there are still millions of people all over the world, including the West, who are still deeply religious. This is undoubtedly true, but Nietzsche doesn't deny it. He is pointing to an ongoing trend which, as he indicates, most people haven't, haven't yet fully comprehended. But this trend is undeniable. In the past, religion was central to so much of our culture. The greatest musics, like Bach's Mass and B minor, was religious and inspiration. The greatest artwork of the Renaissance, like Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper, typically took religious themes. Scientists, like Copernicus, I can't pronounce that, and Newton, are were deeply religious men. The idea of God playing a key role in the thought of philosophers like Aquinas, Descartes, Berkeley, and, oh goodness, that's another name I have a difficulty pronouncing. Whole education systems were governed by the church. The vast majority of people were christened, married, and buried by the church and attended church regularly throughout their lives. None of this is true anymore. The church attendance in most Western countries has plunged into single figures. Many now prefer secular ceremonies at birth, marriage, and death. And among intellectuals, scientists, philosophers, writers, artists, and religi artists religiously belie believe plays virtually no part in their work. What caused the death of God? So this is the first and most basic sense in which Nietzsche thinks that God is dead. Our culture is becoming increasingly secularized. The reason is not hard to fathom. The scientific revolution that began in the 16th century soon offered a way of understanding natural phenomena that proved clearly superior to the attempts to understand nature by reference to religious principles or scripture. This trend gathered momentum with the Enlightenment in the 18th century, which consolidated the idea that reason and evidence rather than scripture or tradition should be the basis for our beliefs. Combined with industrialization of the 19th century, the growing technological power unleashed by science also gave people a sense of greater control over, the, over nature. 
feeling less at the mercy of an incomprehens of incomprehensible forces also played its part in chipping away a religious faith. Further meanings of God is dead. As Nietzsche makes clear in other sections of the gay science, he claims that God is dead is not just a claim about religious belief in his view, much to our default. Much of our default way of thinking carries religious elements that we are not aware of. For instance, it's very easy to talk about nature as if it contains purpose, or if we talk about the universe like a great machine, this metaphor carries the subtle implication of the, that the machine was designed. Perhaps the most fundamental of our assumptions that there is so there is such a thing as an objective truth. What we mean by this is that something like the way of the world would be described from the God's I point of view, a vantage point that is not just among the many perspectives, but is the one true perspective. For Nietzsche, though, all knowledge has to be from a limited perspective. For thousands of years, the idea of God, or the gods, has anchored our thinking about the world. It has been especially important as a foundation for morality. The moral principles we follow, don't kill, don't steal, help those in need, etc., had the authority of religion behind them, and religion provided a motive to obey these rules since it told us that the virtue would be rewarded and vice punished. What, happened when, what happens when this rug is pulled away? Nietzsche seems to think that the first response will be confusion and panic. The whole madman section cited above, is a is full of fearful questions. A descent into chaos is seen as one possibility, but Nietzsche seems, sees the death of God as both a great danger and a great opportunity. It offers us the chance to construct a new table of values, one that will express a newfound love for this world and life. For one, Nietzsche's main objective to Christianity objections to Christian, excuse me, is that in thinking of this life as a mere preparation for the afterlife, it devalues life itself. And thus, the great anxiety expressed in Book 3 and Book 4 of The Gay Science is a glorious expression of a life-affirming outlook. That's a mouthful. And once again, this is all cited in... Um, The link for this will be put in the show notes. And if I have butchered it too much, I dearly apologize. I was never particularly great at giving uh, at reading out loud in class. There is more to the great philosopher's book than what I have covered here. I highly recommend you read the work, specifically a printed copy. If you're unable to get a printed copy, may I recommend LibriVox, that's L-I-B-R-I-V-O-X dot org. This site has many public domain audiobooks, including many of the works of a great philosopher, Friedrich Nietzsche. I'll explain that gag here in another episode. Now, so far that I've covered this, I forgot to mention something. And what I forgot to mention was this. Are you interested in martial arts books and DVDs?
kung fu, karate, tai chi, and yes, of course, the ninja. If you are, may I humbly suggest you check out dojopress.com. That's dojo, D-O-J-O-P-R-E-S-S, -S, all one word, dot com. This is the website of Grandmaster Ashita Kim, and he can help you out in this matter. And with all this, I'm going to wrap this up by saying one final note. Maria, I know you're listening. Take care of yourself, and we will talk later. My friends, have a good day, or night, or morning, or whatever it happens to be.